And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios for this Thursday drive time morning edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM 1030. KVOI, The Voice, Daily In Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. And to all of our listeners and Matt, good morning to you. Happy Thursday. We also call it Friday Eve around here. Matt, good morning to you. Making the magic happen as always this morning. Happy Sweet 16 Friday Eve to you, Zach. (laughs) I I am hopeful. Will the real Arizona men's basketball team please show up? I don't (laughs) think we've seen the real one that can can ground and pound teams. Uh, We've seen some light performances. They are going to have their hands full, sir, with Houston tonight. And I'm just hoping uh, Tommy Lloyd has those boys ready to go because they're going to need to bring it tonight. I know they can. I have them winning it all. But they can't do what they've done the first two rounds. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. I like the uh, official (laughs) listed starting time of 6.59 p.m. I just love that. Right. For sure. Uh, This is not a sports show, as we must uh, remind ourselves during March Madness. keep saying it. (laughs) We keep seeing it. But today it is especially true. We actually have a number of very serious, timely, present conversations here on the program. We're going to go to our first guest conversation in just a second. President Biden tells governors to take urgent action to protect infrastructure from Russian hackers, reports Politico uh, yesterday. And we have the guy who uh, works for the governor to make that happen and protect our Arizona infrastructure. Uh, And uh, I think this week it's a very real conversation as the war, the conflict in Ukraine heats up. It's going to start hitting home in some ways. When that is said and done, we actually have an open phone line opportunity. We're going to take your calls. I want to talk about the window in Tucson and Greater Tucson that is closing, a statewide conversation that comes to roost here in Southern Arizona. So a good show ahead. Uh, Without further ado, uh, Tim Romer is with us, the director of Arizona's Department of Homeland Security. Tim, thanks for making time for us today. I know it's busy in your world, but I think it's important that we uh, get a glimpse into what you're managing and, and, and how the conflict in Ukraine impacts us here at home. So Tim, good morning to you. Good morning, and thanks for having me. So obviously want to get into the cybersecurity piece of this, but, you know, one question I had, and I figured maybe some of our listeners would as well, uh, there's obviously a U.S. Department of Homeland Security. You're the director of Arizona's Department of Homeland Security. Uh, What is the interface between those two? Are they doing generally the same thing, just at federal and state levels? Do they do different things? What's What's that interface, Tim Romer? It's, it's really different. So um, we do not have the Federal Department of Homeland Security's law enforcement capabilities within the state of Arizona. Um, our State Department of Homeland Security acts as a liaison for the state executive branch, specifically the governor and his office, to not only the Department of Homeland Security, but all those three-letter acronym agencies that so were a good liaison to FBI for example, as well. We then manage all of the uh, federal Homeland Security grant funding that comes in to protect the state. This is to protect the state on things from border security, counterterrorism, a number of resources like that. So we manage that roughly $25 million a year or so grant funding, including Operation Stone Garden for border security, which is the largest grant fund, but then cybersecurity grants as well. So um, we do a lot to help protect the state 
with resources and capabilities and uh, communication. Uh, but we do not have, for example, uh, border patrol law enforcement capabilities if we're on the border. And I don't have the ability to go out and arrest somebody for a cyber crime. But we work closely with our federal partners in order to enforce that. Gotcha. And Tim, if my memory serves me correct, with uh, again, Tim Romer this morning, the director of Arizona's Department of Homeland Security, the governor tapped you kind of midway-ish last year. You're approaching, what, about a year in the role? Yeah, so I've been in the role for a year as our director. And what's different about this is when the governor tapped me, uh, he asked me to bring over the cybersecurity mission from the Department's mm. administration, move across the street into the executive tower, uh, and bring that cybersecurity mission over because the governor really saw the threat to cybersecurity as a direct threat to our homeland security. And he really led on this issue. He had this idea a year ago. And as you mentioned on, you know, a previewing into this conversation this morning, the president of the United States is talking a lot this week about the importance of yes. cybersecurity and the importance of the role the governors make. So he was, he was honestly a year ahead with his leadership on this. And I'm honored to fill this role. I've uh, been here for a year, but I think it's important for listeners to know that I had previously served as the deputy uh, for four of the years um, leading up to this and then two years running cybersecurity for the state as well. Tim Romer, uh, you and I have both, I think, queued this up pretty well. In some previously unreported letters that are now in publications like Politico that are now being reported on, there are some letters to governors. Uh, let me read you a few lines, and I, I want to get your sense of the scope of what we're looking at as the conflict, as the war in Ukraine uh, wages on. President Biden said this, much of our nation's critical infrastructure is privately owned and overseen at the state and local levels. I urge you, this is again President Biden speaking, to take urgent action, asking governors, to exercise the authority you and your team have to prepare your critical infrastructure to withstand a cyber attack. In a separate letter, Tim, to uh, Governor Gavin Newsom over in California, the president said, there are only things that only you as governor can do to secure your state's computer systems, your critical infrastructure, your citizens, and through those efforts, our nation. This is becoming more of an urgent tone uh, by President Biden, Tim. Give us the, the uh, what you can today. Give us the scope of the danger that even our state, our local communities may be facing from cyber attacks as, as Russia starts to lash out at what has been a very coordinated response by America and our European allies. Give us a scope of what the danger is that you're dealing with right now. It is really dangerous. I agree with everything the president has put in those letters. We received those letters. I've been honored to be on calls um, at the highest levels of government with the governor. Uh, and one of the things that Secretary Mayorkas said at the federal level to us a few weeks ago was he wanted governors to empower their heads of cybersecurity to take more of a role in being more proactive. And it made us smile within the room, actually, because, uh, again, that's something we started doing a year ago. So it made us feel like, OK, we've been taking this action. The governor even promoted me to run the entire Department of Homeland Security, understanding how important the cybersecurity threat was. So we've, we've been working on this for years, but specifically this last year, we have a really had a high sense of urgency to protect the state. So that threat that the president mentions uh, is absolutely there. Um, I spent 10 years in the U.S. intelligence community prior to working for Governor Ducey. I spent 10 years at CIA. And my last two years, I worked in the White House Situation Room in 2014 when Russia invaded Ukraine. So this is very familiar to me. It feels like deja vu. The way that I explain this to people is that 
Vladimir Putin has launched an unprovoked war on a sovereign nation, and therefore on the cybersecurity side of the house that has no borders, there is no limit to what he will do. And I really do think he's going to lash out. I think he's going to retaliate for sanctions here at some point that are crippling his economy. I think he's going to go after critical infrastructure and our financial sector, possibly even our healthcare sector as well, because we all know how important our healthcare sector is. And so it's very complicated. Um, we do have a role. We run the cybersecurity team for the state of Arizona. Where it gets complicated is with critical infrastructure. So your power companies, your utility companies, everything from water companies to the energy companies and so on and so forth. Um, we don't have the authority to go into, uh, you know, Tucson Electric Power and say, you shall do this on cybersecurity. Uh, however, we have a great partnership with all of those organizations. So we share very good threat information. We talk best practices and tools. We exercise regularly with them so that we're prepared for the worst. So the partnerships are very strong. Uh, our level of, uh, you know, interest in this topic and we're on the highest levels of alert. Our team is working 24-7-365. So to answer your question, you know, yeah, the threat is very real, but also listeners should know this isn't all that new for us in this field. We've been defending the state from Russian cyber attacks uh, for as long as there's been such a thing as cyber attacks. And I think that's important for listeners to understand is um, we, we defend the state against these attacks and Russia, you know, claims that they're coming from criminal organizations within, uh, within the country of Russia. But uh, I'm not sure how much of that I really believe. Uh, so listeners should also be cognizant that, sure, the threat is real. But we're used to it. We're, we're up to the task. We're, we're very, you know, uh, concerned about the threat. Uh, but we, we've trained for this a lot. And I think it's also important for listeners to understand that if a cyber attack succeeds somewhere in the country or somewhere within the state or somewhere within Tucson, it's important to make sure our consumer response and our public panic doesn't make that situation worse. Um, let's have some faith in the resiliency uh, that we have in the United States. As you are reading from President Biden's letter, you know, there's a lot of resiliency in place there. So we don't want to have public panic and that consumer response rushing out, withdrawing all your money from banks and hoarding, hoarding gas. No, um, if a cyber attack succeeds somewhere in the country, let's treat that as, you know, okay, that one attack succeeded. Let's remain calm and have some faith in the people that are here to protect us. Yeah, good words. Tim Romer, the director of Arizona's Department of Homeland Security, is our guest uh, this morning. Tim, uh, we got you for another segment. Let's pause there and go to a break. When we come back, you know, we've talked about the danger. I want to talk about the solution. You know, what are some of the things, like you said, you can't tell a TEP, you know, uh, do this and I'll check in with you in 24 hours to make sure it's done. But what are some of the things that you are advising, your department is advising? What are some of the solutions uh, to, you know, this cyber attack risk? And uh, maybe we'll finish there. Let's go to our first break of the hour, our last break of this conversation. Uh, again, President Joe Biden uh, has uh, really pressed governors to take charge of this issue in a way that really only states and governors can do to protect critical infrastructure on a national level at the state level. We'll be right back. Much more to come here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on 1030 The Voice. Tucson, 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk. 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Hey, guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona here on this Thursday edition 
of Tipping Point on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. We're on with Tim Romer, the director of Arizona's Department of Homeland Security, talking about uh, how the Biden administration has sent our urgent communications to our nation's governors, uh, asking them to uh, take urgent action to exercise the authority they and their teams have critical infrastructure to withstand a cyber attack. Uh, As Tim mentioned in the first segment, these aren't uh, new risks, but they are certainly heightened risks as a part uh, of the war in Ukraine. And uh, we're getting some previously unreleased letters to governors from the Biden administration this week and even yesterday about the urgency of this situation. Tim, we covered a lot of ground in, in the first segment. Uh, what is the uh, what is the solution? In other words, uh, when the president is urging you to take urgent action, uh, what are those actions? How is your department readying our state's infrastructure for a potential cyber attack? Well, we touched on this a little bit, but creating the Arizona Cyber Command Center um, a year ago, and we launched it in October because it took time to build it. But that's located up in Phoenix at the Arizona Counterterrorism and Information Center. It's called the ACTIC, and uh, that's our state fusion center. That's uh, set up after 9-11, and all 50 states have one. Uh, And that helps you thwart threats to your state in a wide variety of areas, cybersecurity, counterterrorism, public safety, you name it. And so what we did is we brought a cybersecurity capability uh, to that center. Uh, it can have our National Guard team, my Cyber Command team, DPS, our federal partners and other underneath one roof to be able to investigate these cyber intrusion attempts, to monitor them, to respond, to train and exercise for worst case scenarios. So that's one of the first things the state did, but we're able to do out of that facility is run a program of information sharing and analysis with all of our partners across the state. So it gives us a lot more trust and credibility. So we're able to communicate better with um, critical infrastructure around the state. Um, And that's important because what we do is we share threat information. So if a hacker is coming after the state of Arizona's networks, which they are all day, every day, people always ask me how often and we say, you know, hard to put a number on it, but I've had to lately. So between five and 7 million cyber threats per month, Every month, we investigate about 2,000 really serious cyber attempts to ensure that they weren't successful against the state. A lot of this comes in overnight uh, because, obviously, the time difference between where your hackers are located around the world, a lot of them, you know, your Russias and your Chinas, that time difference is happening, you know, uh, at nighttime. So we've got to be on guard 24-7, 365. We share that threat information with the critical infrastructure, so your energy companies and things like that. And that allows us an opportunity to say, hey, we had this IP address trying to run this phishing email. This is exactly what we saw. And then we all collectively block that from happening. So the information sharing is big. The public-private partnerships, building trust and collaboration are big. But um, specifically, we go down to low-hanging fruit. Decrease your vulnerability. So, so we talk to critical infrastructure all the time. It's no different than everybody listening right now who has a smartphone. Well, your smartphone tells you there's a software update. Please install your software update. There's a security bug fix. Okay, click that. Um, All the systems that critical infrastructure and organizations run continue to patch, be on top of it, because what hackers do is they're scanning for vulnerabilities to see if your systems are up to date. If your systems are up to date, puts you in a lot better position by decreasing those vulnerabilities and decreasing that risk that they can't get in. I use the analogy that, you know, it's kind of like locking your front door, locking your windows. Um, you raise the cost to the hacker, you raise the cost to the burglar. The harder they have to work to get in, 
makes it more difficult on them. So those are some of the basics. Um, but we tell you know organizations and we tell private citizens, turn on multi-factor authentication, MFA, uh, on all your accounts. That, that gives you that extra layer of protection. And please be careful what you click on. Uh, whether you work for an energy company in Tucson or you're retired in Tucson, um, don't trust those links and the text messages or the emails. There's no reason to click on the link. Just open up your own browser on your device or go into the app that you use to contact, you know, normally work with your bank or anything else. There's no reason why you have to click on the link there. Criminals have gotten really good at spoofing those, and that's where the phishing email is, and that has the, unfortunately, the malware that can take down your personal accounts or your business. So lastly, just, you know, to everybody out there listening, be really careful what you're clicking on. Tim, I've got you for about two more minutes, and I want to ask this. Should the worst happen and there be a cyber attack uh, that does cut through, uh, what might that look like to the average Southern Arizonan listening? And uh, remind us of your advice from the first segment. Give us an example of what might happen and your encouragement, if it does, to people listening. Yeah, so, I mean, like we've covered and, and what the president and everybody have, have covered, I, I trust the U.S. intelligence community assessment on this. I think they're coming after critical infrastructure, so water, energy, financial sector, healthcare, and things like that. So what it could mean is, um, you know, a hit to the supply chain, for example, on, on your critical goods. You know, uh, it, it might be, you know, uh, if they shut down the pipeline, for example, uh, you know, the, the price of gasoline could go up. It could be a little limited. And that's where my advice comes in to not panic. Let's not make mm-hmm. that you know, by everybody rushing out and trying to get gas at the same time and making it worse for everybody, uh, let's let's have a calm, you know, response to this. If one bank, you know, has an issue, um, again, let's remain calm. Let's not all rush out to all of our banks and start trying to withdraw all of our money. That's not a responsible, um, you know, response to this situation. So I, I think that's what they're trying to do. They're going to try to affect our, our daily lives around the country, uh, even in places like Tucson, Arizona. They, they want to affect that. Uh, let's not let them win. Let's have faith in the system uh, and let's, you know, overcome this together uh, if they're successful anywhere. But that's that's what they're targeting. And that's how we need to respond to beat them. Let the cybersecurity professionals do their work. But the consumers play a critical role in our public mm-hmm. safety as well with their response. Good stuff. Tim Romer has been with us, the director of Arizona's Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Tim, you checked all my boxes today of what I hope to cover. Thanks for coming on and talking to us here in Southern Arizona about what you and your team are doing to uh, keep the risks from cyber uh, attacks down. Uh, good to hear the state of Arizona has been ahead of the curve a bit on this and uh, wishing you guys luck. Thanks for what you do and for keeping us updated down here. Thank you very much for having me. It's important that you guys run this to help people understand it and protect themselves. And I'm here for you guys at any time. So I'm very appreciative. Appreciate it. I'll take you up on that. Tim, have a great one. We'll talk soon. Thanks, you too. When we come back from our bottom of the hour news and sponsor messages, uh, let's open the phone line. Give us a call, 520-790-2040. I've got a couple things on my mind to talk about. Tucson's window that I think is closing. That and more on the other side. More tipping point when we return. Don't go anywhere. In 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. Tipping Point with Zach Kinster on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, Conversation, and Talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. And I am your host, Zach Yenster. If you're just jumping in, we spent the first half of the show with Tim Romer, the director of Arizona's Department of Homeland Security. We covered a lot of ground, uh, but our focus was the urgency uh, of President Biden's reach outs to our uh, state's governors, certainly ours here in Arizona, uh, really saying that our nation's critical infrastructure uh, is under the uh, authority of governors uh, to prepare for cyber attacks and the risks of uh, of hacking and cyber attacks as the war in Ukraine uh, escalates. So a very timely conversation, and I hope that was valuable uh, to you as we covered at the end of the interview. Um, there's a lot of you know security in place, but if uh, something does get through, uh, it could have very realy short-term impacts on our daily life. So. Uh, we are watching that closely here at home and uh, abroad. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger, opening downtown last fall. They're serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention that you heard about them here on Tipping Point with me, Zach Yenser, for 15.15% discount off your next meal. Uh, and I know many of our listeners have uh, have taken me up on that and have gotten that discount, visited some great men and women running a great local uh, small business here in Tucson. So you could be next and you should be next if you haven't done it already. And we appreciate getting to spotlight the, them and their success as they open here in Tucson. Uh, it's an open phone line show the rest of the way. 
520-790-2040. Give me a call, really about anything and everything. Uh, but today I want to talk about uh, Tucson's window that is slowly but surely closing. I think some urgency that we need to take advantage of something that I've been talking about for a, a number of months here on the program. By the way, we had some great listener uh, uh, calls and conversation yesterday talking about homelessness in Pima County, an issue that I've been digging into a lot lately. So keep the calls coming. We'll take as many as we can. Although don't forget my confession yesterday, I'm really bad at squeezing people in. So please, if at all possible, don't wait to call until 9.57. I'm just not good at that. The chance of you getting on is less by that point. Give me a call in the next few minutes, uh, 520-790-2040. So I've been talking over the last few months, and I don't think it's pie in the sky, no pun intended, uh, about Greater Tucson's opportunity to be the space city of the Southwest. I've been on a personal campaign to uh, to see that happen. And uh, th- there there is this interesting kind of paradox starting to develop out of Southern Arizona and, and Greater Tucson, where we have some of the best seeds in the ground on this. There's a new space institute uh, that just launched out of the University of Arizona. The Board of Regents, uh, the state legislature, has looked down south from the great state of Maricopa and said the University of Arizona has an undoubtable skill and expertise on this issue as they've developed the new economy initiative. And I feel like uh, I'm the only one in Tucson. Uh, There's actually probably less than five. I know there's a few others. Uh, There's very few people here talking about the new economy initiative. It's every other word in the Phoenix area. Uh, But it's this massive funding and investment from the state legislature and the border regions into our state universities saying this is what you are good at and we want to invest in your research. And for the University of Arizona, one of those three areas is space exploration, aerospace and defense, uh, and space technologies. And so I said, look, you know, we are kind of in this Pittsburgh moment where our economy has the opportunity to shift, where we can really shift the trajectory of this community, take the seeds that are already in the ground, do a branding effort and say, look, for the next 10 or 15 years, we're going to double down on this thing. Um, And it could really impact who this community is and who it serves and what it is in good ways. So I've been on that. I've been on that kick. And it's been interesting to me uh, to watch what has happened since then. And, uh, you know, look, I don't, you know, buy into this whole U of A versus ASU. Certainly on this topic of space, uh, ASU and U of A do a lot of collaboration that a lot of people don't always see. Um, But since I've begun talking about it, uh, Arizona State University, in partnership with Thunderbird, has started a master's program in space leadership. Not aerospace and defense, not the DM Raytheon side of this, uh, those technologies, but of saying, look, we are getting ready to send people and communities into space over the next 50 years. Right? This is what robotics was for Pittsburgh. Uh, this far out, weird, sci-fi type of reality that was hard to get your arms around until it actually happened. You know, and now robotics and autonomous vehicles are just kind of, you know, it is what it is and we know about it. Uh, Space is that. But there's this program out of ASU and the master's program preparing people to lead the business of space. 
there was a statewide gathering, I think it was last month, that really bothered me a little bit, to be honest, because for all the hype that is said about the University of Arizona as this juggernaut on space and aerospace, uh, it was ASU and Skysong, the innovation corridor up there, that put together a statewide gathering called Space in the Local Economy. And it brought people from the entire state together to talk about how do we how do we be as a state the driver of space exploration and space technologies? Why wasn't that the University of Arizona? This week, someone sent me, and this is going to sound really small, but I want to tell you why I think it's significant. Uh, a new podcast out of the out of out of Arizona State University. I think it's called uh, Movement Interstellar or something. I should have that pulled up. I can pull it up uh, during the break. Uh, but it's basically a, a podcast conversation uh, around people who uh, are, are thinking about the future of us in space, space exploration and space technologies, uh, right? And that's significant because I don't think you, you have to change culture on these things before it impacts local economies. It's got to exit the walls of the university. Uh, you can have a great university, and, and if the technologies don't exit at scale, if the thought leadership doesn't exit at scale and begin to permeate the community, you've got a great research institution that has little to no impact on the surrounding community. So to, to see what would look as a very small, okay, just a podcast, there's you know two seasons, six episodes, whatever, uh, it, 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 it shows a mindset that says a part of our success is creating new cultural ideas to shift how people think about mission interplanetary. I knew there was a listener who was going to get it for me. Mission interplanetary uh, is, is, is the name of the podcast. And uh, th this got a little under my skin in a positive way. You know, I'm not angsty. Uh, that, that there is this window where Tucson, where greater Tucson could own this space. No pun intended again. And uh, look, for a lot of the seeds in the ground and a lot of the good things happening, we are getting out hustled, which is not a new story for our lovely community. We're getting out hustled, outworked, and outscaled on this issue, on, the, on this opportunity for Tucson to own something that could be transformational over the next 50 years. I start to stack up what our brother or sister to the north is doing, and I go, by golly, we're getting out-hustled, out-worked, out-manned. Hey, is that a line from Hamilton? I said that, and I went, wait a second. <laughs> that sounds like a Broadway musical I've listened to at some point. Um, you know, we're getting out-worked. And there is an urgency, if you've noticed my tone over the last few months on this show, I don't call this show Tipping Point because it's cute. I call it tipping point because I believe Southern Arizona is at a tipping point moment. Again, whether it is the issue I spoke about yesterday, homelessness, or we've talked about public safety or our housing crisis, or what we'll talk about next second was just jobs in the region. We are at a critical moment. And if you don't see it, I'll do my best to show you. I can't, you know, I, I can lead folks to water, but I can't make you drink. You just have to trust me. We're at this moment where we've got, in some cases, an 18 to 36-month window 
where if we don't start making the right decisions, where we don't start having an urgency and a hustle to take advantage of this moment in time, there are some big issues that we will be behind on for the next number of decades. I talked about yesterday on the homelessness issue, there are many large progressive slash liberal slash democratic cities where the mayors are starting to say, the situation's gotten worse over the last five years and now we've gotta take really big, weird, tough action to solve this issue, right? Tucson's not there yet, but we are, right? San Francisco had a horrible housing crisis way before COVID. Tucson's nowhere near that, but we could be. We're at this moment in time where there has to be urgency and I don't feel the urgency from just about anybody in this community. And I don't say that to, to poke. I, I don't, this is not about people or departments or institutions. This is overall Tucson. The world does not run at our speed. And if you look around just enough, you can realize we're losing out because of it. And I would hate to see something that the state has said we are good at get taken advantage of by our brothers and sisters to the north. They see the vision and we can't possibly be the only people who don't see with clarity the opportunity of this community. And on this opportunity to be the space city of the Southwest, we've got, I think, a 12 or 18 month window to sink our teeth into it, to be in, bring the public, private, and academic sector behind it, to slap it on billboards, to drive investment around it, to put on the walls of TIA as people get off the plane. We've got this window to do that and to actually bring this into the local economy and make money off of the things that we're good at and we're losing. This is an arms race, not in a literal sense. The destiny of communities, economic development is an arms race. I was talking to, and I'll go to break on this. I was talking to a, uh, a CEO in Chicago uh, who moved their company here, right? And they moved their company here for reasons that we should celebrate and replicate, right? If they wanted to be in Chicago, they'd still be in Chicago. But he said, it's so interesting to me because the workday in Tucson ends at four and the workday in Chicago ends at eight. And the conversation, by the way, was, look, you know, that is part of what makes who we are. People come here because we do stop at four and there's work-life balance and, and we get to enjoy our community. Like we shouldn't be somebody else. But what I'm saying uh, is that uh, there is an urgency, a grind, and a hustle that is in many other places that isn't here. And I think we just had to be crystal clear aware that that is going to allow some competitive communities to eat our lunch in a competitive globalized economy. And this town has to figure out what balance of hustle plus work-life balance we want to find. Because we are not a silo, we are not an island. We don't get to live in our own reality. We're all in the same reality. And I'm worried that this tipping point moment on this topic is slipping away out of our fingers and being taken 
by a community up north that just has a little bit more foresight, vision, and grind. Now, the good news is we have all the pieces here. We just got to put it together. But I want to talk about this in a different way. When we come back from a break, we'll have a short segment. I want to talk uh, about uh, jobs, the state economy, and I want to bring it home to roost uh, here in Tucson and southern Arizona. Uh, We've seen some major private sector developments and jobs come into the state all across the state, but not here. And I want to dig into why that is and I think what the silver lining is because I think there is one. But I want to talk about that when we return here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. More on 10 through The Voice when we return. Almost done. Don't go anywhere. And if you've got itchy fingers and you want to call in, do it now. 520-790-2040. We'll be right back. Everywhere in between. 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Tucson. Have you heard of local nonprofit Impact of Southern Arizona? Where we are more than just a food bank, with a clothing bank, youth and senior programs, where we are moving people forward. Arizona Gives Day is coming up on April 5th and 6th, where you have the chance to support organizations like Impact. Learn more about Impact of Southern Arizona and our critical programs at www.impactsoaz.org. Hey guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the sustainable strength system is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to sustainablestrengthsystem.com. 
Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. This is Bill Buckmaster coming up at noon, cybersecurity, important now more than ever. On 1030, Tucson's voice for trusted news talk. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. I'm your host, Zach Yunser. You're listening to this Thursday, Friday Eve edition of Tipping Point here on AM 1030 KVY, The Voice. We kicked off the hour uh, talking with Tim Romer, the director of Arizona's Department of Homeland Security, uh, about cybersecurity and cyber attacks coming from Russia and what they're doing to uh, really push back against that and keep our critical infrastructure happening and moving here from a local level all the way to the federal level. I talked in the last segment about, I think, Tucson's window on a specific issue um, that is closing. And I want to touch on that real quick in a different way before we get out of here. Uh, but I want to fit calls in. I made that promise. I plan to keep my promise. 520-790-2040. Let's go to the phone lines. Doug is listening. He's on the line. Doug, thanks for calling and waiting. Go ahead. Hi, Zach. Just a couple things on the issue of homelessness. You know, the one thing is that, you know, we've got – you know, we know so many, and the percentages vary, but it's 70 probably percent that are drug addicted or alcohol addicted, mental illness. But there's this other group, you know, the 30 percent or whatever the percent might be, which is hardcore homeless people that don't want to have help. And uh, I was talking to a city official, and they said they call themselves houseless, and they don't want to have a home. They don't want to have you know, uh, you know, rent, mortgage, you know, electricity bills. They just want to be able to live free. Well, that's going to be a real problem because if, if you don't somehow corral that, you're going to have people living in camps all over the city, and that's what we have right now. That's the problem that you cited in some of these liberal cities. And there's the other issue you talk about, which is housing affordability. And I, I looked at some sites and involving homelessness and those groups and they don't even cite anything to do with drugs or alcohol they say it's all about housing affordability and certainly that's an issue but then when you look at what we've just done you know with pumping out all this money you know the covid dollars that's made it even worse because you've got inflation you know the cost of everything's gone up rents have gone up and all that kind of thing so you know, there. You know, and then I, I sent an article to you today about some of the funds, how they were misused, apparently, 
and uh, even Tucson was in the list where we use like $2 million in funds to promote tourism. You know, one community, I think it was St. Louis, used it to pay off people's child support payments, you know. And so it, it, those are the kind of things that I see with this. It's kind of a, it's a comprehensive thing. You've got people mm-hmm. that don't want help, and they're not going to go into a home if you give them a home. You've got the drug and alcohol addiction and mental illness. Then you've got the housing affordability. No, Doug, I appreciate the call, and I, I agree with uh, a very large uh, large part of it. And what you were saying made me think of a, a conversation a friend and I were, were having where um, they, they said, because um, I've been talking about shelter first, treatment first, housing earned, they said, I'm not opposed to that. This is, this is the, my friend. Uh, but I think it goes too far in trying to dictate people's lives. If we want people off the street, let's focus on that and not making people conform, as one caller said, to mainstream society's standards. Offer services, help people solve their problems, but don't expect them to be model citizens. And, and look, I'm not an expert. I don't have the silver bullet answer. However, the theme that I think is missing often in this conversation is our social contract that we write and share together in a community about public safe, public services, and community space. Uh, and a neighbor of mine said this, it was interesting, is, well, what about me? I pay taxes uh, into this social contract. Uh, what is that line between, yeah, understanding these are very individualized problems, but where does the community come into this? Where does the society come into this? We all pay into a system for public safety, our public spaces as a community good. We pay into the system to solve these problems I I, 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 I I struggle with what is that line where this stops becoming an individual thing and where we hold all of us accountable, as we all should be, to community good and to community space. And a lot of cities are having this, this struggle. Uh, you here listening are really hearing my uh, kind of inner conversation happening, and I know it's a risk to put that out on the air, but you're getting my thought process uh, where uh, there's a little bit of what I'm saying that's prescriptive, but a lot of it is I'm just asking the questions. Uh, and probably the more naive I am, the better, because I, I get to stumble into things that I wouldn't if I knew more than I knew. Um, but, you know, uh, Doug's call made me uh, made me made me think about that and, and how we have to scale up the solutions. Um, a friend asked me, you know, Zach, what is your largest issue with the housing first model? It's just not scalable. And it doesn't address the thing that we don't want to address in our urban environments right now, which is mental health and drug addiction. Uh, Housing does not uh, solve that big enough, fast enough. Those are the root causes that we have to tackle. Uh, And look, you know, if, if if the ability of current solutions to solve the problem, we're solving the problem at scale, let's keep going in that direction. But when the current solutions aren't at a scale to solve the problem, and right now I don't see it in the American city, by and large, a city or two may have a great housing first success story, then then I just simply ask, can we think about a different direction? Can Can we think about something different to see if that can solve the challenge? So we're out of time. Uh, I appreciate the call. And uh, you left me with one more topic, Matt, that we didn't cover uh, that I want to talk about later. And that is, you know, someone who asked uh, on Twitter is we're seeing all these developments happen from Queen Creek to Casa Grande. 
well, why aren't they happening here? I'll touch on that um, on the other side. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to a legislative candidate to close out the week tomorrow. And Kathleen Erickson, Downtown Tucson Partnership, will talk about how they have worked to, to help those who are unhoused and homeless in the downtown area. So that and more when we return. Hugh Hewitt's up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon. Tucson, thanks for listening.